Welcome into the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I am your host, Tyler Martin, and join on the, joined by, on this Wednesday morning, Christopher Walsh, editor of BamaCentral.com. How are you doing, Chris? It's been a minute since you've been on here. I know we've had Joey, um, and we've obviously had some special guests, but, but now we've got you back in here. Yeah, you guys just don't like me anymore. It's, it's just kind of... Uh... Let's 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 get rid of the boss. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. It's it, it, no. It's you made time for our show, so uh, you know we we you know it's. I think I think it was more of that. I'm just easy. Yeah, it's fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you know a lot is going on in in our world. Obviously, I mean you know you blink and something else happens in 2020 that you just like like today. You know, or Tuesday, I should say, there was a freaking drone delay in a baseball game in in 2020. Um, there's crazy things happening left and right. Um, and especially with college football as well, Chris, like, um, you know, there, there's different, you know, plans and, you know, things getting leaked out, player safety, tons of things going on. So we're all going to break it down and, you know, um, and, and get into that, get into what the SEC, uh, you know, whenever they do release their schedule, what it might look like, what it might look like for Alabama. And then, too, um, obviously we're going to actually let's start with this, Chris. Let's start with John Petty returning for his senior season. Uh, he announced that on Monday, right there at the deadline. Obviously, big for Nate Oates. This is the equivalent of getting a five-star get. Uh, what I mean, I mean, obviously huge, but it, it was kind of expected, right? I, for the most part, yeah. But you know, you never know with these kind of things, especially since you know John John has a kid, and and he definitely you know was looking to go. I think he's 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 been on campus for a number of years and, and he's kind of ready to start, you know, providing and, and so forth and moving on to the next stage of his, of his, of his life. But it, it, in terms of the NBA draft, I think it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to go where he wanted to go. And, you know, really the only way that to improve that is to go back and play and show people that they're wrong. So he needs to come back and he needs to come back with a vengeance and, and a chip on his shoulder. And hopefully then that will, get him to where that he wants to be next year. Yeah. When, when he, when he broke the news and, you know, he, he put the classic I'm back, uh, you know, Instagram post, and then he posted on Twitter when he, I went back and looked at, you know, watched him a little bit of some highlights and his freshman year, right. When, when, when it was calling him and Herbert Jones in that, uh, in that 2017 class, uh, that was, I mean, it was highly ranked and rated, you know, as one of the best classes in the entire country at the time. That feels like forever ago, right? Like, I'm watching his highlights of him when he was tearing it up against Virginia Tech in that first round of the NCAA tournament that Alabama won in that game. And uh, that feels like forever ago. But I watched that John Petty, and I'm like, he's gotten even better since then under Oates, right? The defense has gotten better. The rebounding has improved. He was the team's leading rebounder last year at 6.6 rebounds a game. Now, that won't happen, obviously, with Jordan Brunier getting on board the, the Yale grad transfer. But still, though, I mean, John Petty's continues to see his game evolve. And, you know, Nate Oates released a statement, too. You know, he appeared really fired up. And, it, you know, Alabama basketball now, what I'm really curious to see, Chris, is how, how Oates splits up the minutes, right? Like, you've got this top 10 recruiting class coming in here, and you're going to have so many bodies. Now, obviously, you know, barring any unforeseen injuries, I mean, we saw plenty of those last season. But, I mean, the competition at practice is going to be, you know, unbelievable. And then the minutes, like, Otis is going to have a really tough job distributing those. Yeah, and that's going to be the big thing is, you know, how many how, how big of the rotation going to be? Are, are we talking 10-man rotation? I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a, that's a big rotation. But 
they've got a lot of talent and it's going to be fun to watch. And yeah, I mean, there's going to be some, some things are going to happen, you know, and injuries and, and, and so forth, but it's, it's looking very, very promising for this team. And, and really, I mean, we, in my mind, there should be no doubt this team should make the NCAA tournament next year, but it's, you know, it seems like every year Alabama's on the bubble. So they, they've got to find a way to get, get off that and um, make it with, with ease. Yeah, and I, I think this is the year where they get off that eight-seed line, that nine-seed line, uh, you know, and firmly plant themselves as a team who's going to be, you know, near the top of the SEC standings. But let's move over to the gridiron now. And the SEC came out on Tuesday, Chris, said, hey, we're going to readjust our, our, you know, our traditional camp model. Practices are actually going to begin on August 17th, and this comes off the heels of announcing a 10-game conference schedule that will start September 26th. And as new schedule, right, a revamped schedule could be released at any date. Uh, my first question for you, Chris, I mean, you know, how do you think, because I, I was thinking about this today, and I talked about this in the talk of the title a little bit. Now that the SEC for this season has come out and said, okay, we're going to do a 10-game conference schedule. So each week, fans are going to get, at this moment, they're going to get an SEC game. You know, that's, I mean, that's obviously salivating for the fans. That's what fans have wanted. That's what Nick Saban has wanted. He's wanted an expanded conference schedule. Do you think if they pull this off, um, that this might, an expanded conference schedule might last for the long haul? No, no. And, and a big reason why is because um, it, it's not because of, say, like Alabama or even, you know, like LSU. Uh, the vast majority of teams in this conference are worried about getting to a bowl game. They've got to get to a bowl game, and so they need those. They need those wins to be able to get to a bowl game. And as long as the majority of the teams in the conference are in that situation, which you know it's probably going to be, you know, it, that's not going to change for a while. Um, you're not going to see the SEC move into you know nine, ten, you know, uh, even a nine-game um, SEC schedule. But uh, you know, everything is going to be on the table, I think, after, you know, we, we, we emerge on the other side of this, of this whole coronavirus uh, crisis that we've been enduring. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who think that maybe the time is, is, is right for the Power Five to go off and do their own thing and kind of thumb their nose at the NCAA. And they may, they may be right. Um, it's, it's, we might be looking at a totally different system within five years and it'll look like nothing like we we'd have before. So I, I wouldn't real rule out anything at this point. I don't think I've said this in recent episodes when we've had Joe and I don't think I mentioned this to him, but I'm going to say it now. Just my opinion, college football needs a Caesar, right? Like they need a guy. I mean, like I wouldn't say, I guess, I guess you could say a Roger Goodell like figure who's going to make decisions. You know, they're, they're going to look to him, right? Because this whole situation with the Big Ten and Pac-12, you know, three and a half, four weeks ago now, being the first ones to come out and say, hey, uh, we're going to go conference only. And the Big Ten's decision er, kind of shocked everybody, right? Like it was a curveball that that Greg Sankey didn't see coming. Um, you know, Bob Bosley, the Big 12 commissioner, he didn't see coming. And, and so you're going to see potentially, um, you know, I mean, obviously conferences are going to do their own things. And there might get to a point where if there's any outbreaks, you know, conferences might not play. Some will keep going. I just think at the end of the day, 
you know, if you're in a leadership position, right, you're trying to lead a group of people, those people got to have someone to look up to. And when you have a multi, you know, almost, you know, multi-million, hundreds of millions of dollar business, um, you've, you've got to have one guy who I think is making the rules, a guy people trust. And maybe that's a position where it rotates around, like, right, like you've got the power five commissioners and every two years it rotates. Maybe the SEC commissioner gets that position for two years. Then next up is Pac-12, next up is Big Ten, and so on and so forth. Um, but like I said, college football needs a, a Roger Goodell-like figure, in my opinion. The whole key to that is going to be, if they decide to go that direction, it's going to be getting the right person for the job. Mike Slive would have been perfect for that. Oh, he would have been fantastic. Yeah, and but you know, you can you can look around the landscape of college football and look at some of these commissioners and. It's like, man, no, I don't want that guy in charge of college football, you know? And, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely going to have to be something that comes out of this in terms of, you know, who's in control and who's running the show when it comes to college football. But, you know, you got to remember, like, with the, the NCAA does not make, you know, it, it doesn't determine the, the, the champion in college football. That's done by the conferences and, the, and, and through the bowl system. Um, so the, the power struggle that's going to happen could be immense. Um, you know, it, and, and we see, you know, rules all the time that are being changed. It's, it's, you look at something and it's like, okay, this makes sense. Oh, we can't do it because, you know, because of the bowls. Well, the bowls are entrenched. They are, they are there. They're not going anywhere. So it's, there's a, there's a lot of hoops that, that have to be kind of jumped through regardless of what the, you know, of, of what system that we end up with. Um, you know, the one thing that has always concerned me and it's really, really been blatant um, through this crisis is, you know, looking out for the athletes, you know, who's, who's looking out for them and has their best interest at heart. And, you know, like when I hear people talk all the time about, you know, it's like, well, let's let's expand the playoff. Well, I mean, the season's already too long as it is. You know, these guys are getting really, really beat up. And, you know, now if we, if, if we went to 10 games, that it's, it, it's a concern of mine this fall if we play, is that, you know, an SEC schedule, 10 games, these guys are just going to get physically really messed up. And that's not even factoring in, you know, who might get the coronavirus and have to be quarantined and and the issues that, that happen with that. So, so one way or another, you know, it's, it's as, as the players have been stepping forth and kind of flexing their muscle and having more influence uh, for the most part, I think it's good. Uh, but it's, it's somebody has got to be looking out for these guys. Just, it, and, and I don't know who it's, you know, no one's really stepping up in that respect. Speaking of power struggles, you're you're talking about player safety. You're t- you know, and and recently over the weekend, I mean, Chris, there was a bunch of stories coming out about players speaking up, having voices. Because I know for us, right, like we haven't talked to an Alabama player since January. Yeah. And, and, and you know, these guys, a lot of these guys are, are kind of at the point where they're like, "Hey, man, we want to be heard. We want to, you know, our vo- we need we need to speak up." And, and there's obviously been so many issues going on in our country that that they can speak up on that they feel like you know they can go outside of the realm of sports and I, I you know the Pac-12 for example they're coming out now and all these guys are you know they, they gave the they gave these um you know these these list of demands and it's like hey we're, we're going to threaten to boycott the season now I think I think I think a majority of those I think those are reasonable I think 
They're understandable. Um, the revenue sharing is something I don't know if I can get behind 100% in that aspect because it would completely eliminate Title IX and other, and other, uh, and other programs at these respective schools. And then you've got you know, what happened with the Washington Post article in the SEC uh, you know, conference that they had with, with medical officials, SEC leaders, and then players, too, of each respective team. Um, you know, literally asking like, you know, you know, do you got, would you got, would you guys allow your sons to play, right? Like things like that. And I think there are a sect of players that are, that are really worried, right? We're seeing that now with, you know, the eighth power five guy, um, Penn State linebacker to, on Tuesday night, he became the eighth power five player to opt out of the season. And, you know, I, I, th- I think right now players are realizing how much leverage they really have. Well, the other part of, the, of that is, um, you know, the coronavirus is a scary thing to begin with, and scientists, medical experts are now beginning to figure out some of the long-term effects that are happening, even if, you know, if, if you get this, that could happen. I mean, there have been a lot of reports out there about um, heart issues, uh, and, and this isn't like, you know, people, I, I hate when all these people are saying, well, it's just, it, it doesn't affect young people. Yes, it does. You know, and you're talking about athletes who are, a lot of them are going to try to make a living, you know, playing at playing sports, um, doing athletics, uh, something like this could totally derail their careers. And so it, it, there's a lot of different levels to, you know, a lot of different things that they have to take into account. There's there's a story out there. I think it came out today that um, the Idaho football team. Now, granted, Idaho doesn't play. Um, it, it's not a Power Five school. Vandals. But, yeah, the, the Vandals. The seventy um, percent of the team said that they don't want to play football this fall. Seventy percent. I mean, um, yeah. It, I mean, it's scary and. It's it's obviously it's it, I cringe when I hear decisions and it's obvious that they're being made because of money, and it's 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 a tough time. I mean, I know everybody wants college football, especially you know I I, I love it when people are saying, oh, you're rooting you know you're you're rooting against sports. It's like we're a website dedicated to Alabama athletics, and we don't have sports. I mean, you know, come on. Um, of course, we want sports to happen, but. The health of the students has got to come first. And, you know, the school's reopening is probably the hottest issue right now. And if it's not, it should be, you know, is, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? And, you know, we're going to, we're going to learn a lot in the, in the coming weeks. It's, this is, this is really, really scary stuff. So, so just to, to follow up on what you were saying, Chris, like, um, you're saying, like, you know, I mean, a lot of these decisions, right, like that are being made, you know, money and business is obviously a big factor. Right. Um, and, and we know that. I mean, TV contracts with, with you know, because Greg Burns already, you know, sent out a letter to fans saying, you know, we expect to have a reduced um, capacity, which I've heard that's, that that might be around 20 percent. Um, and so, you know, that's still obviously, a, you know, a good crowd. But 20 percent of Bryant Denny is not what it used to be. And so um, there's there's money at stake, and if the SEC doesn't play, that's I think close to a billion dollars there. And, and if they are, you know, getting advice, you know, advice and guidance from um, a medical task force, things like that, do you really think that the SEC would put a product out there if if players were at extreme harm? Yes. 
<laughs> Absolutely, I think they would. Because if 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 we wouldn't be having this discussion if if they weren't doing a, the whole reason why they're moving forward for this season, it's trying to push it to get it in the fall is money. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Because I mean, I cannot think of another reason why they would why they would go ahead and 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 try to play this season. Um, it's 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 the only guiding force that's that's pushing all this. Um, and you know, I mean, look, I mean, tradition is 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 wonderful. We all love college football. We want college football to be played. But you know, it, at at some point, it's it's the tricky part is 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 weighing the risk level versus what you're going to lose monetarily that that's, and it's, there's no way to sit there and say, this is where it is because if it wasn't, I, I here's a simple, the easy question is, okay, how many people are you, are you comfortable with either uh, dying or, you know, or having a permanent physical, you know, setback, um, which, you know, you would say, well, that's an unfair question. And of course it is, but it's also what the bottom line. And so it's the, the guiding force in all of this, is is money because if it was it was health of the of the student athletes it's a no-brainer you don't play you don't you don't open you don't open schools you don't have people in in classrooms you know where they're shut in and and they you know they can't get away from from each other it's 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 all about money yeah i was i was just curious your opinion on that because because i think where where i kind of see it is you know when you've got the economy at stake in terms of these college football towns, these revenues that are built off of this, right? Like it's like, it's like a seesaw. It keeps balance. You're trying to get that perfect balance. And um, it, it does seem, it does appear on the surface that uh, one way is teetering uh, all the way toward, Hey, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, that, that business is still booming. I understand. I mean, it's, my major in college was actually, uh, uh, political science. My minor was history, so I mean, I basically started political history. Um, you know, I understand how important the economy is. The thing is, the economy will have chances to come back. You have to plan, prepare, and 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 take you know important steps to help the economy. And there are a lot of things that can be done to do that. Somebody's dead; they're dead. You don't come back from that. No, 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 I, I, I completely agree with you on that on that front, Chris. Now, what I wanted to get into before we, you know, get into the big thing, the SEC schedule and opponents out in Ironman, is that if you look at the MLB right now, and I know the MLB is not maybe the driving force of, you know, how the SEC is going to operate and do things when they start traveling, when they start planning to play games, but if you look at the MLB, right, you look at the Miami Marlins. They just withstood 18 positive tests, right? Nobody was hospitalized. There's actually been nobody hospitalized in the MLB who has been tested positive with coronavirus yet. Um, they withstood positive tests. They were back in action Tuesday night. They, 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 they won, and the Cardinals are actually set to be back on the field on Friday against the Cubs for a weekend set, weekend set up there. And, you know, they're going to be traveling around just like the SEC is going to be traveling around the South. Um, and, and I think that's going to, I think that's, I think right now, if you look at what MLB be doing, I know they're taking a lot of heat, right? Um, but, you know, there's got to be, you know, to some degree, because the, the positive, the, the, I think their po percent positivity rate over 12,000 tests up to this point is like 0.2, not even one, not even half of a percentage. And so if you follow the protocols, you're doing, you're going to, you're going to be safe, right? Like Alabama had eight positive tests that we know of. Um, and, you know, right when they got back on campus for voluntary workouts, 
you know, not much sense. I know Rutgers is dealing with, with a big, big deal right now, um, but apparently there were some guys who broke protocols. Uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously a big break, outbreak at Clemson, LSU, right when things got going. But recently we've seen college athletics, a lot of college programs and schools just report a lot of negative tests. And I think, too, the MLB, you know, traveling around, I think that's kind of showing college football in terms of travel how to get it done. Yeah, well, I mean, Major League Baseball and the NFL are the two uh, leagues that they really need to watch because they're the the two big ones where they're not in a bubble situation. Um, You know, the colleges, like you mentioned, Rutgers, you know, and Michigan State's another one. It sounds like that the the biggest problem they had was, you know, players went to a party. Um, Something that they're going to have a huge problem with. I mean, these are college kids. You know, they're going to be on campuses. And sooner or later over 120 programs or, or, you know, whatever it ends up, ends up being this year actually playing, you know, you're going to have a situation where, say, like a guy goes out, his team gets absolutely crushed the first couple weeks, and he's like, eh, it's no big deal, you know, and he he, he less, you know, he, he goes, he does something that he shouldn't do. He infects his team, then, you know, the, that team infects another team. You know, the whole thing about it's like even if you're exposed – you can be quarantined for two weeks. I mean, it's going to be really, really hard. I'm not saying they can't do it. It's not impossible, you know, but it's, 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 it's going to be really, really hard. And, you know, it's, it's just, even if you have like the SEC playing only SEC schools, well, not every SEC school is going to be contention for more than, you know, for, for very long. And that's, I think where we're going to get into like issues of where guys slip and, and, you know, that would probably, you know, we're, you're talking late October, which is when they were talking about, you know, there might be a second wave of the, of the coronavirus anyway. So I, it's just, I, it's, it's just so different at the collegiate level because they're college kids and they're on campuses and so forth. But, um, you know, I, the NFL, hopefully it's working a little bit better there than major league baseball, you know, uh, the Cardinals are the, the the latest team that's had a, a huge issue. You know, you just hope the hope for the best, and everyone everyone gets healthy and comes back. You make a fantastic point, Chris, and something that I, I kind of touched on um, on the radio on Monday. You know, we we could in the SEC when they if Arkansas and Vanderbilt don't play each other, there's a chance both of those teams go zero and ten. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and and what's you know. What are you going to be? What are you going to be playing for when you're zero and eight? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be ugly. Students coming back, and we've already seen. There's already been, you know, uh, in Tuscaloosa, we've already seen students trickle back a little bit. They're staggering those move-in dates. Um, but Chris, moving forward, the SEC schedule, we could see a completely different schedule, right? Like we could see games out of very.
since like the second to last week. And then Arizona, Arizona State is the season opener as well. Uh, do you think it'd be a good idea to play the Iron Bowl in like the first four weeks? You know, I, ever since the Pac-12 schedule came out and I saw some of the matchups, I was thinking about that. I, I actually kind of like the idea because, you know, in case something goes wrong, you can at least say, hey, we played we played Alabama-Auburn. I don't think that's the way they're going to go. I think they're going to try to keep the, the schedule intact and just add to the to the beginning. But it's definitely possible. No, I – yeah, I would absolutely love it if the SEC just said, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year. We can just keep, you know, we, this year we can just do whatever we want to do. We can try things. I would love to see the Iron Bowl, like week three, week four, maybe not the very first week or the second week to kind of, you know, Alabama, Auburn both to work out some kinks, um, you know, and get get adjusted. It'd be fun. I mean, you know, it's it's usually it's Colorado State and Colorado have played, you know, in, the, in week one. And I've always been kind of like, that's a really interesting time to play your rival. You know, if it was just once, I think it'd be really fun. rivalry feast week i mean holy crap i mean holy crap it would it would be it would be insane to see you know florida georgia one week then alabama auburn the next and then you know tennessee florida auburn georgia games like that uh, i I, th- I think it'd be outstanding and i think the sec needs to take advantage of that i think it's gonna be really really interesting with most of the other leagues starting before the sec where there could be kind of a, a feel of you know building up to a main event kind of thing, like on a fight card. And if somehow, some way, SEC's got to have a marquee game right off the bat. Um, which you know, who knows who would be? You know, I, you know, would be great. It's like the Egg Bowl. Like that would be the first game. You got Leach against against Lane Kiffin. That would be yeah. a wonderful way to kick off the season. Yeah, that would that would be great as well. Maybe we'll get another dog celebration. Um, I mean, but that would that would be fantastic. Yeah, that that would be good. And then also too, Chris, you know, you look at who Alabama might add to this schedule. I, I talked about this a little bit in, in the talk of the tide on Tuesday, and everybody, you know, at first everybody was like, "Oh, it's going to be Florida. Oh, it's going to be uh, Vanderbilt. You know, it's going to be the next rotational." And I think, I think too, like I remember when Ross Dellinger was reporting on that, he was just kind of you know throwing that out there, just spitballing, right? And then Feinbaum kind of ran with it, and then everybody was like, "Oh, this is confirmed." Oh. That's that's not obviously not been confirmed yet, right? And if you looked at Alabama's strength of schedule going into this year, the SEC, it's fifth out of fourteen teams. So it's already it's already tough sledding enough in the West, but it's going to be even tougher this year with Georgia on that schedule. And do you think do you think Florida gets on there? What is your kind of take on those two teams? Because in my opinion, I think that second team, I think it might be Kentucky or Missouri. Yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. The 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 guy who runs the Florida site for. Uh, Maven Sports Illustrated. He tried to figure out a formula, and you know, see, you know, if if the SEC was actually doing it the way that they were talking about, which two teams, you know, everyone might get. Um, the problem is he kind of over um, overplays Florida a little bit in in his strength of schedule. Um, but the thing is, it's it's his speculation was it would be Florida and Kentucky. Well, if you look at that, then Alabama is playing the top four teams in the East. And I just, there's no way I think that's going to happen. Personally, if I'm Nick Saban, I love it. 
I don't want any excuses kind of thing. You, you know, you play the play the, the hand that you're dealt. And then if anybody complains afterwards, you just be like, what are you talking about? You know, we just went through Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I honestly think if since they're already playing Georgia, um, I think there's a greater chance you're going to see um, something like Missouri. Um, you know, they haven't played Missouri in a, in a while. They just played South Carolina last year. Um, was that last year? It seems like so long ago. I can't even. I can't even tell anymore. So the way uh, Kentucky was last time they played them was 2016. Uh, they last played Vandy in 2017, and then Missouri in 2018, and then South Carolina in 2019. Okay, okay, I'm getting them. Uh, yeah, that's right. I do remember the Missouri game um, at at Brian Denny Stadium. So, um, the, my understanding though is that they don't want to do it based on the rotation. So, because uh, if I'm Florida and I get Alabama and Texas a and I'm raising a lot of hell if I'm Daniel. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I would be screaming bloody murder if I'm Florida. And, and, you know, Dan Mullen's just the kind of guy to do that. I mean, he, he, he's a very, very good coach, but he also, you know, he, he likes to sink his teeth in it, into, uh, into something. And he would definitely be, uh, be screaming about that. So, um, strength of schedule is, it's, if you're going 10 games in conference, strength of schedule is going to be huge, you know? And, and so they got to even it out as, as much as they can. And so that's why I, I think that's why we haven't had a schedule announced yet. And it, it was funny too, because it's, it's like the one team that I kept hearing about that, that was talking the most about that was Tennessee. And, you know, I was like, well, Tennessee's got to play Alabama. So that's why, you know, that's why they're harping on, you know, the strength of schedule because they want to get an easier team in, in, in the West and after facing Alabama. So, um, Hopefully they can even it out, but I'm I'm guessing it's been a little tougher than they expected, and that's why we haven't had a schedule released yet. Yeah, and, and for Tennessee, I think their rumored uh, rumored uh, two West opponents they would add would be LSU and then Ole Miss. Now LSU, that's a game Tennessee can win, but you know if they're going on the road, Baton Rouge, uh, they they definitely will be underdogs in that one. Tennessee's gonna be pretty good this year. I, oh, yeah. I, I don't think they're quite you know top tier you know, ready to challenge Georgia and, and Florida yet, but it's, it's Pruitt is, it's making some strides there. He, he's got some, he's got some real players. So, um, you know, he gets another year or two. You're, you're looking at, um, you know, Kirby isn't going to be all alone in the East for much longer. No, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Tennessee's probably, you know, seven, seven win team, six win team in the SEC this year. And that's going to uh, seven, 10, our seven-win, six-win team, which is really good, right? Like, I mean, you're playing the best of the best. And one point, real quick, I wanted to get to Chris, and then then we'll wrap up. Uh, you you were talking about how gross, how how grueling, how tough the schedule is going to be. I don't know if you listened to our episode on Friday with Matt Cadell, and I actually asked him about that. You know, what would that be like? You know, if you were going through that schedule, and you know, he actually said that it, you know, it might have been kind of, you know. Normal because you're still going to have a bye week. You're actually going to have two bye weeks in there too, and, and you maybe maybe a game gets flexed later on in the season if there's an outbreak. Um, but you know, from a former player's perspective, I was kind of I was kind of interested to hear that he was thinking that it it was you know it was going to be you know business as usual in a sense. I, I understand what he's saying, but you know, you're also taking out the non-conference games, and it, it's just. You know, it's it's already like this year they changed the schedule, so Alabama's going to be playing. It, it was supposed to be playing Texas A and M. You know, the week before it faces Auburn. That's really tough. And you know, just having looked over the years at um, teams that face just in general three ranked 
opponents in three straight weeks, um, they almost never get through that unscathed. So it's 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 really it's gonna be it's gonna be really really hard. Yeah, and I, I think too that we we more than likely, I, in my opinion, we won't see a team go ten and zero in the SEC this year. I, I think nine and one will probably be the best record. Uh, it's because ten and zero, dude. You go ten and zero in this schedule in this conference. Um, that, I mean, golly, that is that's very impressive. And I mean, that to me, that is more impressive than a twelve and zero season. Well, if if one team can do it, we all know who it is. <laughs> you know. Yep, Arkansas. And it's um, you know, it's it's funny because when we get into camp, when it starts, uh, you know, we start kind of speculating about depth charts. When when we do it on Bama Central, we're going to go three deep um, across you know everything thing that we do because they're going to have to get ready, all these guys ready, all the new players, you know, the freshmen. Experience all it doesn't matter. Everybody's got to be ready to go this year because they never know when they could have a situation where they lose, you know, twenty guys all of a sudden, you know, for for an SEC game, and they got to be ready to go. So um, it's going to be a huge, huge storyline, and it's going to be something that we're gonna we're gonna be looking at very, very closely. Yeah, Noah. With all due respect to Arkansas, I do appreciate what Sam Pittman's doing out there, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said. We do know one team. Uh, if they have a chance to go ten and zero or nine and one, we know who that is. Arkansas uh, doesn't go three deep; it just goes three. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But yeah, Chris, thanks for helping on here, man. Chatting a little bit about the season. We're 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 gonna get a schedule. It looks like really really soon, and I and I hope it's tomorrow or Wednesday um, when this is released. I hope it's Wednesday. Big Ten should be announcing there soon, and then other schools or other conferences will follow. Um, but hopefully, we'll get something soon. I appreciate you coming on here, and fans. And listeners, you know, go back, listen to our other episodes. You know, uh, we, we've recently had Matt Cadell, like I mentioned earlier, Rudy Griffin. We had James Brockermeyer, one of the Brockermeyer twins uh, who's who's committed to Alabama. You know, probably, you know, uh, the biggest part of the biggest get in college football recruiting this entire cycle. Right. The Brockermeyer twins committing their Texas legacies. Go listen to the interview with him. Also, J.C. Latham as well. And a plethora of other, um, you know, guys affiliated with Alabama in some uh, sense or fashion. Go listen to that. Go check that out. Um, give us a review, rate, subscribe, and and we'll look forward to, to a great week. And thanks again, Chris. And, uh, you know, for Christopher Walsh, I'm Tyler Martin. This has been the All Things Bama Podcast.